morning, everybody. Let's pray as we start. O oh God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, as we open the scriptures this day, please open the eyes of all of our hearts that we might understand better ever the hope of our calling the richness of our inheritance in your holy people and the immeasurable measurable power that is available to us who believe. Amen. Amen. I want to make the point that the lectionary is a great gift to us as all scripture is. And like any gift, it comes as a bit of a surprise and can be a little surprising and you wonder what's in it. And sometimes when you open the package, you're like, this isn't a bottle of wine. Okay. All right. Let's see this. I don't know if you can see that. All right. Okay. All right. That's interesting. Okay. All right. So clearly there's a cold and thread that binds all of these together, but it's not always that obvious, and that's certainly how I felt today, looking at the scriptures that, that were in our lectionary. But I want to start off maybe unpacking this one up. And as you can see, this is a rolled up calendar. And I want to make the first point that I think that time is an element that goes through this. And you'll also see that I'll be making the, the reference to plantings and then to kingdoms. But let's start off with this first mysterious piece, which is the reading in Ezekiel. I don't know if you can see this. This is like some kind of screw or something. It's kind of cool and it's really beautiful, sort of like that beautiful reading we had today, this oracle. But it's a little confusing because it starts off saying, this is an oracle to Pharaoh and his multitudes but in fact, it ends up being about Assyria. So what, what does that mean? And I think that it really helps to have just a little bit of context to put this together. So it's important to remember that Ezekiel was written at the same time as Lamentations, but from two different perspectives. We read Lamentations. This is the view of people after the fall of Jerusalem. And we heard the experience of the prophet there expressing the grief and the desolation that he was seeing. And Ezekiel is actually one of the exiles that has been taken away to Babylon. And he is expressing a prophetic word for the people of God to sustain them in this time of exile. It's a beautiful poem, but in fact, it, we need to understand that it itself is part of a larger series in, in Ezekiel that goes from 29 to 32. And Ezekiel is actually prophesying against all the peoples and nations that have stood against the people of Israel. And in time, this is interesting because every chapter begins with saying the word of the Lord came to me at different times. So this was a manifestation that took a, a while to pronounce itself. But what we see is that it's a part of this larger piece. And in fact, um, even the Pharaoh piece is about three chapters long. And so it starts off saying to Pharaoh 
and his multitudes in Egypt, an er this oracle, but it ends in 32 by saying wail for uh, Pharaoh and Egypt and its multitudes, unsurpassed in all its beauty, and now in Sheol. And chapter 32 ends with a roll call in Sheol, or hell, of all the people and all the world powers that are sitting in that place. Let me just try to put this into a little bit of perspective. I don't know if you can see this. I'm going to see where, where I can fit this little thing. So in fact, Assyria, why is Assyria important? Assyria, this is really a warning to Assyria, to the Pharaoh about Assyria. Assyria had been a world power about 200 years previously. And in fact, it was the conquering power that Isaiah was so afraid of and prophesying about. And, and it had been the one that actually conquered northern, the Northern Kingdom of Israel and had scattered all of its peoples. And yet within the living memory of Ezekiel and the people he's talking to, Assyria had fallen. And in its decline, it had actually sought refuge in the hands of Pharaoh and against the Babylonians. And yet Pharaoh and Syria together with all their might could not withstand the acts of the Babylonians. And now they had cut down the tree. So Ezekiel is using Assyria as a warning to Egypt of its own impending doom. It reminds us that Assyria was a mighty nation, a beautiful tree. It actually, it's almost like God had fed it with water so that it would be put out beautiful branches that peoples and all the nations could take refuge in. But it became proud. And now God was using the axe of Babylon to cut it down. And so now, in the end of with the fall of Jerusalem, the northern kingdom, the Judah itself had sought refuge in Pharaoh and had been unable to withstand the Babylonians. So in this snippet, as you probably figured, I don't know if you, well, Kenny knows what this is, but I don't know if you know what this is, but this is actually a little drill, an old fashioned drill. And I'm using this as an example that Ezekiel reminds us that the acts of Babylon was an instrument in the hand of God because God superintends all history. When we're living under a superpower, a world power, the people under that power can feel helpless sometimes, enslaved. They feel like their only chance for survival and getting ahead is to align themselves with that power. But Ezekiel reminds us that actually God is sovereign over all. And you know, even for us as Canadians, it's interesting because our identity is shaped by the fact that we were a colony of the British Empire and we live right next to and in the shadow of a superpower right now. And we ourselves are being, have been reminded so thoroughly these days that we conquered the First Nations and Inuit people in our coming to Canada. So it's important for us to hear however much angst we may be feeling from our history that actually God superintends history. He is the ultimate one in control. The Jewish prayer always begins with an affirmation that God is sovereign of the universe. It tells us that God, our God, Adonai, Yahweh, is Melech HaOlam, sovereign of the universe, and that he is our God, Eloheinu. 
So we today submit joyfully to be part of his kingdom. His is the kingdom that matters. And the next parable goes on to remind us about a different kind of kingdom, a completely different substance. So this was the other thing that was in the gift of the lectionary today. And maybe those of you who are gardeners will recognize this piece of carbon as actually a seed pod that has a little seedling in it and eventually grows up into something that we'll plant into our garden. And so Jesus today gives us two parables about plantings. And I want to refer to the second one, especially today, because he says the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, so small that it's hard to see. And when you plant mustard seeds or anything from the mustard family, they're these tiny little balls that you can barely see in the ground, but they really grow up. They're imperceptible at the beginning, but they grow and they are established. Now, those of you who um, in Canada, we're great mustard producers in the world, but we never see these things called anything that resembles what Jesus is talking about. But in fact, if you'll Google an image and say mustard tree, you'll see that in Africa and parts of the Mediterranean, there actually are black mustard bushes that grow up and they're, they're bushes, but they get like 20 feet tall and they get really thick branches that kind of go out like this. And you see birds sitting in them eating the, eating the seeds. And they function as shade crops for the mustard that's growing around it. The beautiful thing about mustard trees is that they actually grow in very poor soil and they enrich the soil. The more they grow, the more they enrich the soil. And so this is a wonderful metaphor for the kingdom of God. Something starts off imperceptible. It doesn't make any sense. And yet here it is doing this beautiful thing. And I don't know if you hear in the echoes of those branches, the echoes of the branches on the cedar of Assyria. So Jesus is giving us an image of something that things are not as they seem, that being in the kingdom of God, it's not always obvious. I want to go on actually uh, the, the next parable that we could have talked about, but I'm gonna just make a reference to it is the one about the, uh, when, Jesus, when Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven being like the seed planted, first the shoot, then the flower, then the grain, and then the full grain, and then the harvest. I want to leave you with the joy of discovering for yourself what this means in the context of the other lectionary reading for today, which was 2 Corinthians in verses 5, 1 to 10. And I would just suggest to you that in the context of those two, it's referring to the seasons of our lives. And we'll, we'll refer to that when we come back to Psalm 92. But I actually felt today that I wanted to really move from a parable that Jesus tells about planting to a parable about planting told about Jesus. And this was my decoration in my gift. And maybe you will recognize this, it's a little bit uh, shriveled, but you might recognize this as the palm branches that we waved around on Palm Sunday and that we've used as our decoration. And I want to segue to that to talk about the parable in Isaiah 53 that tells us actually about the true nature of our King. I don't know if you can see this, but it is a beautiful weaving from a palm branch in the form of a crucifix that I picked up when I was in Bolivia. 
So let me just paraphrase that beautiful parable. The righteous one, God's servant, will be high and lifted up. Who would have believed our report, though, about how it happened? He shot up like a tender shoot out of nowhere, like a green plant out of a dry fruit, a dry root in the desert. He didn't have beauty that caused us to gaze upon him or majesty that drew us to align ourselves to him. In fact, he bore Mary's many sorrows and was acquainted with disease. It was easier to hide our faces, to not look at him. So much easier to look away, to wonder what deserved such punishment by God. And yet most certainly, it was our sorrow he carried. His wounds have been our healing. And the punishment he bore was for our willful wrongs. It's so hard to understand at times that that crushing was in the purposes of God. When God saw that his servant had offered his soul himself in restitution, he gave him endless days and entrusted to his hands the prospering of his own purpose. Out of the anguish of his soul, the righteous servant justified to the righteous one, the many, by bearing their willful wrongs. Therefore, he's been appointed the spoils of victory with the greatest of chieftains, spoils so vast that he generously shares those spoils with the many. What a joy it is to be part of the kingdom of God. It can be confusing to be members of the kingdom under such a kingship. But that is what Jesus is calling us to. And he reminds us, and we, as we bow to him, we are reminded that he has borne the full cost for us to be part of his kingdom. One of the things that we know for sure about our King and Messiah is that he celebrated the Sabbath. So I'd like to move on to our last song. And I hope that you can see in my calendar that I've circled Sabbath, I've circled Sundays as the day when we keep Sabbath in our house. I think Sabbath practice, I want to give you this, that Sabbath practice is one of the ways that we affirm our citizenship in the sovereign Lord's kingdom. I love the book that we were reading in our, as our book group called Subversive Sabbath. And it is a deliciously subversive practice that we can do in a world which is so time hungry, filled with packed schedules and workaholism. I think it's very odd that among monotheistic religions, Protestant Christians are the ones who least practice Sabbath. So today I really want to encourage you to practice Sabbath. 
Time is a very precious resource that's given to every person in absolutely equal measure. Whether you're a street cleaner or the president of the United States, you only have 24 hours in every day. You only get 160 hours in a week. By setting aside Sabbath, we affirm to ourselves, to the world, to everyone watching that God is the ruler of time. He's the sovereign of our time. He's the sovereign of our seasons and he's the sovereign of world history. So let's look at what the Psalm says about this to help us in our Sabbath practice. In verses one to three, it reminds us how good it is to praise the Lord, to remember in the morning his steadfast love and by night his faithfulness, to sing praises, to make music. On this that is our day of rest, we remember the work of the Lord. We rejoice in the work of the Lord. We rejoice in his nature. But we also remember the work of the Lord in history. We remember that he is the one who is in control, even when it looks like the righteous flourish. Our faith in God reminds us that he knows the end from the beginning. He will scatter his people. This little section is the hinge. Verses six to nine is the hinge of the psalm that, that encourage us to refocus. And then it says, on this day, I celebrate your faithfulness and goodness to me. You pour oil on my head, and I open the eyes of my spiritual imagination to see my enemies scattered and downfallen by your power. I want to just digress on this a little bit. The image of anointing our heads with oil is really the image that reminds us that in the kingdom of God, we have been anointed through the Holy Spirit as vice regents in the kingdom of God, that God has given us a task to do in his kingdom. And it is our privilege today on Sabbath to act as kings and princes in his kingdom. I grew up in a, in a culture, a Christian culture that dressed up on Sundays. And I always found it really irritating to have to do that, all those itchy dresses and tight shoes and having to behave a girl like a girl for the whole day. But since then, I've actually come to appreciate the value of that, especially in low and middle income countries. I think dressing on Sunday is a way that everybody has of celebrating their participation as kings and princes in the kingdom. I think of African-Americans and how important it was that even though they dressed like maids and janitors all week long, they showed up at church in suits and ties like administrators in the kingdom of God. So whatever it is that today you do to celebrate your life as a child of God, as an administrator, as a vice regent in the kingdom of God, whether it's dressing down casual or dressing up or just doing something that reminds you, I do encourage you to do that. So in verses, let's go back to the Psalm and in verses 12 and 13, we get back to our metaphor of the planting. And this time it says that we are planted like a cedar or a palm tree diversity in the courts of the Lord. What I love about the metaphor of planting is that plantings are always intentional. As a gardener, you put a plant where it will best thrive. Shade plants in the shade, sun plants in the sun. You care for it, you look to it. So when we are the planting of the Lord, I just want to encourage you that wherever you find yourself now, you are a planting of the Lord 
in his courts somehow. And that he is caring for you and will tend to you. We hear the echoes of Psalm 1, that the righteous are like trees by streams of water bringing forth their fruit in season. And Psalm ends with a, a, something that is a wonderful promise to an old person like me that says that even in your old age, you will bear fruit. That the seeds that you bear will fall to the ground and bring fruits to future generations. And I cling to that promise. So today, as we had these things, I want to remind you that all history is in God's hands. He uses even sovereign powers under which we feel helpless at times for his purposes. That we are plantings of the Lord. And I encourage you to practice Sabbath, enjoy, and joyful submission to our King Jesus. Let me just close in prayer. Oh Lord, we thank you that you are Lord Adonai, sovereign of the universe, Melech HaOlam, and our God, Eloheinu. Thank you for the gift of scripture. Thank you for the gift of those who put the lectionaries together. Thank you for the richness of our inheritance in your saints. Thank you for the hope of our calling. And thank you for the immeasurable greatness of power that is available to us who trust in our King Jesus. And we affirm that by some mystery, it is that same power that is available to us that raised him from the dead, that seated him at your right hand and has placed him as head over every principality and every power that can be named, not just in this age, but also in the age to come. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.